Hey everybody, this is Mike from You'll Probably Agree. Today I have my usual co-host Ian Simmons from KickSeat.com on and we talk about 2008's retelling of the 2000 recount election in a movie called, uh, what do you think, Recount. Um, I want to thank my sponsor, Galway Bay, located at 500 West Diversity Parkway. Uh, it is the bar that you see in the display on my website, on the display of my podcast, on the display of my YouTube channel. It is the bar that has let me film my show there for a while. Uh, if you're in Chicago and you're around the Lakeview neighborhood or Lincoln Park, which is pretty close by. Uh, you could go check that place out. You know they got all the they got all the great stuff there. They got pools. They got darts. They got old school video games. They got like a like a NES Mini. They got an N64, Sega Genesis, all that stuff there. It's a ton of fun. But hey, if you're afraid to go to a bar, which <laughs> who could blame you? Even Lori Lightfoot's gonna probably tell you it's not a good idea to go to the bar. They have a place where you could buy some of their own stuff. At DualDrinkware.com, you can buy glasses there. You can buy T-shirts. You can buy coasters. I have a bunch of these things on my own. I always pour water to my little Galway Bay glasses. Uh, but having said that, I want to say one final thing, which is, oh, guess what I'm going to tell you to do? Go out and vote. Why not? Just do it. You know why? Because uh, we have an election coming up that's going to probably decide the fate of our country. Maybe not, and I'm just kidding. It will, and if there was ever a time to go vote, this would be the time to do it now. I have some other things on my mind that I want to say, but I won't say them, um, which I'm sure I divulge into in the episode. But also, if you want to do more than vote, I'm kind of going out of my way here. I'm providing a link to these people called People's Action. And they have this thing called deep canvassing, where you understand undecided voters on a human level, where you could try to help them decide who to vote for, not Donald Trump. So, yeah, of course. Uh, They're usually impartial, but for this extenuating circumstances, uh, we're going for the guy who isn't Donald Trump. And I will provide the link to them if you wish to canvas within the next few days as I have. I can personally tell you that I've swayed about three undecided voters, something I've never been able to do within all the years of political campaigning that I've worked on since going predating back to 2004. Uh, they are incredibly effective. I, I just don't see how I could work for any other campaign, frankly, after that. Uh, so, having said that, God help us all next week, and enjoy the episode. Every vote from every citizen deserves to be counted. What the hell is going on, Catherine? We want Florida. The eyes of the world have landed on me. Well, how hard is this? A punch of paper ballot. It's pretty bad when you're 80-something years old, you're arthritic, and you're blind as a bat. Hey, everybody, and welcome to You'll Probably Agree. Today, as always, I have Evan Simmons from KickSeat.com on, and we're talking about... Um, a movie that I sincerely hope we don't relive, but in some ways I kind of hope we do relive it so then we don't have the Supreme Court immediately just throw out all the uh, absentee ballots like they did in Wisconsin. Uh, we're talking about recounts, uh, the 2008 film looking back at the 2000 Florida election debacle. Uh, a yeah. Movie, yeah, a movie that... Uh, in some ways hasn't aged well because the main character is played by Kevin Spacey. 
which, okay, whatever. He was a good guy at it. But it was nice to see a film where people on both political sides seemed like decent human beings uh, to a certain extent outside of um, Tom Wellingson's character uh, contacting Roger Ailes to bring in uh, Roger Stone, I mean. I'm getting my Rogers confused. Yeah. Uh, Roger Stone in to, to intimidate, uh, I, I believe it was voter, uh, protesters uh, post-election which huh, sounds familiar. Um, <laughs> having said that, uh, yeah, elections, uh, recount, not election. That's a different film. Uh, <laughs> re recounts. Okay. It's, uh, it's kind of like a movie that a lot of other films have mimicked in its style. Like most recently, the Comey effects, like they'll cut to somebody and then there'll be a lower third saying their name and occupation in it, you know? Yeah. For instance, you cut to Kevin Spacey. It says Ron Crane, you know, in charge of Al Gore's election campaign, whatever. You know? And and you, <clears throat> you kind of need that, uh, especially in a movie that's this dense. I mean, this was an HBO picture, so it's not something like that the mass audience is going to go out and pay to see, but it's also something that they could watch at home. So I think, and, and it's good for me, personally now watching something that captures events from 20 years ago because uh, I was really deep into this stuff back in the day, but I had forgotten a lot of the key players because um, this is, it does really boil down to a lot of local politics or at least politics that are local to the region when this is going on. Um, so I found that kind of helpful. Um, and even then I was dusting off the cobwebs because, you know, Jay Roach uh, really throws a lot of people and those lower third titles at you in the first like 10 minutes especially and I, i'm glad i was taking notes yes uh i i can't even remember i think god i have imdb open and i yeah <laughs> can read everyone's names on here unfortunately it doesn't have their occupation as well so i'm gonna sound stupid throughout this podcast but having said that great job uh, it, it doesn't hold up as well as it used to. I think Game Changer kind of holds up better because which was kind of Jay Roach's follow up film. I guess you could call Catherine Harris, Laura Dern's character, sort of the prequel to Sarah Palin in that respect, where, you know, you kind of had this bonehead lady who is in charge of this very important event who couldn't wrap her head around reality. Uh, and I think Catherine Harris had more of her shit together than Sarah Palin did. And Sarah Palin almost pales in comparison to what we have now. Or does she? She's about as dumb as Trump, if not dumber. No, she's dumber than Trump. I'll say that. Um, but with that said, uh, what, what were your thoughts on the film? How do you think it's aged? Um, well, I think... That's the weird thing is I had a sense of deja vu while I was watching. I just finished this like an hour ago. Um, I remember watching it, I think, when it came out and thinking, you know, wow, this is cool. Because, yeah, again, I was very much a, a politico on the uh, on the progressive side back in 2008, uh, for sure. And watching it now, it's weird because you're right. There are movies that have kind of taken this template or... I don't know if this was the the template that started the the wave of films that we were kind of discussing, but uh, it reminds me a lot of The Big Short, which I think mm -hmm. is the evolved version of this movie, because Jay Roach, who 
you know, this is not a knock against him, but he came from a comedy background. You know, he did uh, the Austin Powers movies and the Meet the movies like Meet the Parents and Meet the Fockers. Uh, so he had this sense of really kind of crowd pleasing comedy. But then it was around this time that he started tackling overtly political films almost exclusively. Yeah. Um, so it's got this weird balance of, hey, we want to tell serious political stories, but I'm still going to, you know, use the comedic training to make it a bit more palatable to audiences, which I don't object to in principle. It's just the execution here I thought uh, was a bit lacking. Um, I think The Big Short did it much better. Um, it, yeah, and I was... There are some scenes in this film that are so uh, serious and I think touching that I wish that a different filmmaker had tackled this object and just made a serious film of a very serious issue. Uh, like you, you mentioned Laura Dern. I, I love her as an actress, but watching, you know, I watched the first couple scenes of her as Catherine Harris and I'm like, I remember Catherine Harris as being a public figure from 2000. And I remember how she was portrayed in maybe it was Fahrenheit 9-11, uh, the Michael Moore documentary. I it was probably yeah. that one. And I'm like, but there's something really cartoonish about the way that Duran is playing her. So mm. I paused the movie and I went to YouTube and I watched a few interviews with her, like vintage interviews and even one that was more recent. I'm like, yeah, this is, you know, it's kind of like the rest of the film. It is an overtly partisan skewering of history, it, you know, rightfully or wrongfully so. But with that, you get certain portrayals that if you are not immersed in politics and you're like, oh, I heard there was something about this 2000 election and pay attention to, oh, they made a movie. That's great. I don't have to read about it. Then you could walk away with an impression that is almost unfair to certain figures, whether or not you like what they did or not. Uh, I don't think you can call Catherine Harris an idiot. And she certainly wasn't as bubbly mm -hmm. as uh, Laura Dern portrayed her. Right. Well, exactly. Again, I don't even remember anything about Catherine Harris. I didn't remember she existed, uh, quite frankly, uh, before this. So, cause you know, 20 years ago, yeah. all, you know, all I remember was that this election went on for, and for those who are unaware that, uh, what uh, recount is, I probably should explain what the movie was about, but I'm a terrible host. It's fine. Uh, the, what recounts about is the 2000 election between Bush versus Gore after election day, with uh, guess what florida you know how florida always gets all that flack when whenever there's an election people go oh it comes down to florida it comes down to florida well this was sort of the pinnacle of florida showing how completely incompetent of a state it is you know from the left and from the right and it basically what happened is it took about a month for everyone to count the votes for this election and as this film portrays it, they stopped counting the votes when they were essentially, I think, like a hundred votes away from it was, Al Gore it was, taking it and two it counties was left. Yeah, yeah a it was thousand. a thousand. Yeah. yeah. Mm -hmm. So essentially, this is sort of the behind the scenes of what happened there. And it, I think in some ways it was objective, but some ways it certainly did, you know, portray the leftists, the good guys and the underdogs kind of walking into a losing battle, you know, and I think no matter what happened, they weren't going to win, uh, whether or not who won the election, we'll never know. 
you know, that's sort of the whole thing with like the ending shot of the film, sort of reminiscing the ending shot of Raiders of the Lost Ark, you know? (laughs) Yeah. Well, I mean, I think, um, you know, you said they're walking to a losing battle. I I disagree. And I think Hmm. um, that's something that the film does bring across very well is that, uh, you know, for as much as the Democrats felt that they were in the right. And I think Ron Klain, as portrayed by Kevin Spacey, who, yeah, he's had his problems in recent years, but he is still a hell of an actor. Um, There's a reason that he has won Oscars and and he was like kind of America's actor guy until things came out about him that were awful. Uh, But one of the things that comes across is that he was the guy who was standing up um, kind of like the the Captain America thing, like when the whole world is against you, you plant your feet and you know stand strong or whatever. He was the guy that after the election was over, Gore conceded to Bush. Everyone was like, well, it's over. Um, and even when he gets a phone call from his operative uh, played by Dennis Leary uh, saying that there's problems with the numbers, he was like trying to get in touch with everybody and like, forget about it, you know, whatever. He finally got the right person to get in front of Al Gore and say, there's a problem with the numbers. So Al Gore retracted his concession and then this fight happened. But throughout the course of the film, what you see is Democrats being timid and afraid to look bad and not taking the fight to the streets. Whereas you've got James Baker, this movie needed, or the Democrats needed a James Baker on their side. Um, Was it, uh, oh my God, I can't remember his name. Uh, Warren Christopher, uh, played by John Hurt, was the James Baker of that team, but he was just kind of this older, dithering kind of a guy. Not to say he wasn't sharp in his day, but he just was ill-equipped to handle this. And you've got Ron Klain, He's almost like the, the Richard Clark of the 9-11 uh, situation a few years later, where he was screaming like, they are they are coming to attack us. Everyone's like, whatever. Um, <laughs> but so when you say it was a losing battle, I think it was a losing battle because they had crappy lieutenants. And I think if they'd had yeah. real leadership. Uh, this could have been ugly and it could have been more drawn out, but we could have witnessed a very different version of history. Yeah, well, I was trying to be by bi- I was trying to be bipartisan, which is why I was claiming why? the way. I mean, I <laughs> why? Because you're always like, I disagree. You're wrong, Mike. <laughs> no, no I mean, I'm not. No, I'm so, not saying uh, you're wrong. I'm just saying I I understand where you're coming from, but that's something that really struck me this time, and I didn't pick up on it in 2008, possibly because I was you know gulping down the Kool Aid by the gallons. I'm like, no, this this didn't have to be an inevitable thing. I understand people were upset about it, like it wasn't fair and the Supreme Court decided. I'm like, yeah, because you fuckers let them, you know? <laughs> yeah, well, that that's the thing. Well, Florida was run 90 percent by Republicans. Yeah, and- but it had a it had a majority uh, Democrat Supreme Court. Well, that does help. <laughs> That yeah. does. They don't have that shit anymore. <laughs> we no. are fucked. We're fucked. We're fucked. We're fucked. Oh, sorry. <laughs> mm. For Tuesday, that's that's kind of how I feel. For for Tuesday, I'm doing all this uh, election stuff. I'm calling undecided voters, but I feel like I'm on the Titanic playing my violin before it's about to sink. You know. Well, I, I guess I'm just trying to figure out like what's that based on? Like, how are you going to feel on Tuesday or whenever this thing is decided? Because I feel like. I think I share your pessimism that this 2020 might be a flashback to 2000 where we might not know the results for a while. What if uh, Biden wins? Uh, then will your fears be unfounded? And if so, what do you think is causing you to be afraid right now? 
Uh, well, first off, I have a horrible crippling anxiety disorder. And well, <laughs> Election every, Day. That's that's everybody in 2020. <laughs> yes, yes. Uh, and Election Day just helps uh, compound that. And sure. then on, on top of that, the amount of just cheating that's going on is absolutely petrifying. Uh, I mean, we have today with Wisconsin, they they are not today, a few days ago with Wisconsin, the Wisconsin Supreme Court said that they will not count absentee ballots that come in after Election Day, which essentially is throwing away 200,000 votes. OK, so we have that. And then on top of that, now we have a six to three conservative Supreme Courts uh, with that. We have various states that are pretty much going to be in jeopardy. You know, we have the election of interference from Russia, which dwarfs what's happening in 2016. Uh, voting machines were created because of the 2000 election. And to hack a voting machine is extremely simple. There was a study from Stanford that came out back in 2004 during the John Kerry versus George Bush election that detailed how you could steal a vote on a voting machine. And it's quite simple. You take out the memory card, you put it in your computer, you install malicious software, you pop back in the memory card, it can flip the votes and there's no way of tracking it. And you could hack this fucker within like 30 seconds. So Right. Yeah. I, I understand that. The first two examples you gave, though, I don't know how that qualifies as cheating. Um, you've got uh, you've got a conservative majority Supreme Court uh, and you've got the Wisconsin you know, Supreme Court passing that ruling. I'm not qualified enough to speak on the the uh, the ruling about the absentee ballot ballots, but it doesn't seem that dissimilar from what we saw in recount with exactly. uh, the talk about the ballots but here's the thing they went to court and they made a case and that ruling was based on the evidence that was put for them there's nothing to suggest at least not anything i've seen that you've got some mustache twirling person buying influence on the court saying i think that i want to throw this to my team so there i mean these things are decided upon the ruled upon and as far as the supreme court goes i mean you've got a conservative majority, uh, people who happen to be conservatives who are on the court and people who are Democrats who happen to be on the court, that's fine. And if the history of the Supreme Court was dominated by completely partisan rulings, I might agree with you, but there is a fine tradition of people going against the grain of what they were appointed, <laughs> ostensibly, you know, people who were appointed by Republicans voting on quote, uh, in favor of quote unquote Democrats and vice versa. So if it makes it to the Supreme Court yet, yeah, it'll be an interesting fight, but I don't share your pessimism that just because the people sitting on the bench have particular views in their personal lives, that it's going to necessarily affect the vote. Well, I, I sincerely hope you're right. My God, I hope you're right. I will say that there is a little glimmer of hope I found yesterday in the news. There is a New York Times article that said that the Supreme Court is allowing deadlines for absentee ballots in Pennsylvania and North Carolina, which is definitely a sigh of relief. And uh, hopefully, uh, yeah, with this, I mean, it's no coincidence that Mitch McConnell and the Republican Senate hammered through Amy Comey Barrett. I don't really have an opinion on her, mm -hmm. so I, I'm not going to say, oh, she's unqualified, this and that. I honestly don't know. 
Um, but ugh, I always hate adding but to any sentence. <laughs> but um, the, the fact that she was put through in the Supreme Court so quickly and against Ruth Bader Ginsburg's own fervent wishes uh, is something that <laughs> raises the alarm for me. Well, I mean, that's because I've heard that, too. But I guess my question is, if you're looking to I, I know Anton Scalia was replaced and all this other stuff. But if Antonin Scalia's deathbed wish had been, you know, I don't want this vacancy filled until the next president. I mean, there's nothing constitutional about it. It's also deathbed hearsay, from what I understand. So that argument well, doesn't really carry weight with me. Well, we're sure. Yeah. But, you know, again, if Scalia's son had come out, yeah, well, I was there with my dad when he died and he said he doesn't want anyone to appoint the next judge until, you know, the, the election's over. You know, again, it's what are you going to believe? And I'm not saying that there's two points here. One, I don't necessarily not believe Ruth Bader Ginsburg's daughter. But on the other hand, and I think more importantly, it doesn't hold any kind of weight. Yeah, sure. It was her dying wish. But you know, we do have a country to move forward with. So it's within the rights. Nobody broke any laws in this confirmation. So, you know, she's in. That's it's fine. It's done. Well, and, uh, but with the, everything that's going on, we have a global pandemic. Mm -hmm. You know, we have an economy going in the toilet. Don't you think the Senate would focus more on helping the people with an economic relief rather than focusing on the Supreme Court justice right now? Well, I, I, yeah, and I think, uh, was it Jake Tapper said uh, to Nancy Pelosi about, you know, uh, blocking the stimulus relief? He said, mm -hmm. you know, you could take you could take yes for an answer, Nancy. So yep. none of this is, yeah, there's a billion different issues going on and we are still getting some things done. So I mean, the thing is, it was in his right to do so. You know, Trump, I think, made a political calculation along with the Republicans that if this went on past the election, that they might not be able to appoint a person that they wanted to appoint, which is it's a reasonable calculation. It might be a cynical one, but it's also completely within the rules. It's sort of like, well, you shouldn't do this. I'm like, well, then you go back and rewrite the Constitution or amend it to say that within if someone dies four months before an election, then you cannot appoint a Supreme Court justice. No one's done that. And as far as the voting machines goes, I agree. That was a, a point of outrage in 2004. Um, and it, kind of to Kevin Spacey, to bring it back to the movie we were talking about, Ron Klain's point, you know, he was going to sue Florida to, you know, essentially update this, uh, the standards for ballot uh, handling moving forward. I don't know that any of that ever happened. And there's been 14 years, including eight years of a Democratic president who, you know, apparently their hair was all on fire about this stuff. Mm -hmm. uh, what changed? Nothing. Mm -hmm. It's still the same old system. Yeah. I don't know why Obama didn't do shit. I mean, he, he did get a Republican Senate within his second term. But still, right, but, but why had, didn't he do anything? You right. know? And he had that's and that's a big criticism of Obama, which I, I share, which is the first two years of his presidency from, you know, oh, nine to essentially 11. Uh, he, they had everything and they didn't prosecute the big banks that crashed the economy. They didn't nope. go after this voter thing or the, the election machines interference, all that stuff. So, yeah, that's one of the <laughs> that's one of the things that, that disillusioned me about the guy pretty early on. But, you know. I like him, but I will say there was a great point that AOC brought up when there was this little because I'm doing this phone banking thing with people's action and we're doing this thing called deep canvassing, which 
Uh, you know, you talk to people who are undecided voters and, and, and she I'm said, sorry, but bra bravo, but I think I still want to commend you again for doing that. Cause I think that's, that's really cool. <laughs> Thanks man. Appreciate it. I can't wait to stop doing it. Uh, <laughs> Only got a few more days. <laughs> oh God. It's just, I don't, Oh God. I, I want to talk to people about brain cells again. All right. They don't listen to this podcast. So it's fine. I, um, but ALC was saying, um, you know, in this little party thing that the group was having that was online, that Democrats, you know, they're not the end solution either. You know, the, the thing is, and Democrats hate her for saying this, activism doesn't end after an election. Activism continues even like, let's say, knock on wood, the Democrats take the House, they take the Senate, they take the presidency. Best case scenario, you still have to push them. You still have to bother them to put in legislation that will help the people. And mm -hmm. I think during the Obama years, you know, Democrats were like, well, Obama's in. Everything's fine now. Let's, you know, let's go about our lives. Yeah. And because we did that and we didn't push anyone to do anything, they they failed to take on the big banks. They failed to take on the electoral process. You know, they failed to do anything about the Patriot Act. And, you know, I, I could be hateful and disillusioned about Obama, but overall, I think he did a great job. He dug us out of a, an economic crisis. We had eight years of peace. You know, uh, well, I, I don't know if I'd go that far. Um, you know, he did expand the number of wars that we were in overseas and also the entire, you know, Black Lives Matter movement and all that racial unrest did start towards the end of his first term. This is not a Trump phenomenon. Well, yes, they did. They did happen while Obama was in office, but I don't think he's responsible for. I don't think there's. Well, but I mean, so you're, you're saying he that. presided over an era of peace, and I, I, I got to push back on that. Okay, but overall, it hasn't been the way it has been now. Trump is throwing fuel onto a fire that's already been there, and Obama at least tried to bring in some civility, you know, through political correctness, which is what we need. You know, being politically correct is being an adult. You know, because if we're going around saying "fuck you," no, "fuck you," you know, like Trump is, then th that doesn't do anyone any good. You know, and now we're we're here. Are the riots that we've been having dwarf the the original Black Lives Matter riots? And they are within their rights to have these protests. And of course, they wouldn't really get out of hand until guys like the Proud Boys would come in and make them worse. I, no, that's that, no, that's, I wasn't, that's, that's but I wasn't finished. But I wasn't <laughs> right? finished. All right. Having said that, they but they they have had protests. Back during the Obama years that were violent, where they did clash with the police, you know, but with the Proud Boys, no, the Black Lives Matter. Oh, OK. No. Um, and in some ways, I don't know if I can blame them when your entire life you're being treated like a secondhand citizen. And you're constantly in fear of yourself. That's why it's black lives matter, not all lives matter, because guess what? White people's lives are not being examined through a microscope and treated like crap. It's mostly black people. And that's why they kind of snap it. I'm not saying I'm not condoning it, but I understand it. 
I, I neither condone nor understand it, frankly. But you know, that's 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 a whole another conversation. And I'm yeah. speaking as someone who is half black, so just yeah. to correct the record in case I, I was know. like, oh, "Who's this white boy?" Yeah. No, I know. Yeah. Uh, anyway, but, uh, yeah. So uh, recount. Recount. <laughs> uh, <laughs> but no, but uh, but I I I'm afraid that we're we're heading towards a repetition of history. If anything, with this new conservative Supreme Court, I think recount will be a much shorter film where they'll say. Hey, you know, this county, we haven't counted all the ballots. And the Supreme Court will go, ah, don't worry about it. It's past election day. We don't want to repeat 2000. Just throw it out. And then they'll just give it to Trump. You know, and then that'll be it. That'll be the end of the film, <laughs> essentially. Like, uh, Joe Biden needs to win by such a tidal wave that there is no doubt that he has won and that we're not counting votes afterwards. Uh, unfortunately, I don't think that we're, that's going to happen. And the 2000 election debacle has historically led to more election debacles to come down the road. And when it comes to the movie itself, it's perfectly fine, but it's it's nothing that I would uh, write home about. As you said, the the big short is a much better move. Uh, Game changer is a much better movie. The Comey effect, not so much. Uh, you keep talking about this. I, I kind of want to see it because you keep mentioning how bad it is, but then I also don't want to waste my time. <laughs> if you want to see a movie that's partisan, whoo boy, that one, <laughs> I'm, I am as liberal as it gets. I'm, a, I'm as annoying as it gets. I don't wear a pink pussy hat or anything. <laughs> still, I'm, I'm, you know, I'm pretty to the left. It, it's no secret. Uh, but but uh, with that said, I keep saying having said that. With that said, now I'm catching my own shit. Uh, Take a drink. <laughs> there you go. I can't. Oh, I took a drink last night. I took a few uh, just to <laughs> help myself go to sleep. Uh, <laughs> Comey effect is basically just preaching to the choir, mm. where you're not gonna win over. Any voter, even voters who are on my side are going, this is just really cheesy. You know, y y there's a particular scene where they're in the middle of a Trump's inauguration. James Comey's wife and daughters, they're protesting against Trump. And before you even see them on camera, there's these two kind of random characters who go, Oh, this election is terrible. Fuck James Comey, right? Yeah, fuck James Comey. And then they walk out of frame. And then behind them is James Comey's wife and daughter. Uh, yeah. And then James Comey wife, James Comey's wife turns to her daughter and be like and says to them, just ignore them. Today it's a it's it's about it's about restoring democracy or some crap like that. I don't know. You know, whatever they show Donald Trump in the movie, he's shot in intimidating slow motion with Dutch <laughs> angles and silhouettes. You know, the camera's like right in on Brendan Gleason's face as he's, you know, doing the Trump sniffing and he's speaking in this real raspy tone and... Uh, he's like a little he's like an evil little leprechaun gremlin guy you know 
That's <laughs> Brendan Gleeson, so Irish. Yeah. Or well, Scottish. you know, th- yeah. Th- that scene you just described um, with the with the wife and daughter that reminds us of something that I saw in uh, Recount um, towards the end when the Supreme Court handed down what is still a baffling <laughs> decision about how you know th- th- we're ruling this way but this cannot essentially become precedent. This is a one time only deal, yeah. and then someone in the Democrats' office I don't know if they were talking to Ron Klain or one of the other people, but they said it's just so cheesy. He said have they ever done this before? And then someone says, never once in the history of the Supreme Court. I'm like, you know, I, I like Danny Strong, who's the screenwriter, who was also, um, <laughs> he was on Buffy the Vampire Slayer back in the day. Um, <laughs> and and now has gone on to write, he wrote Game Change. Uh, he also, uh, I don't know if he created it, but he wrote the first uh, few episodes of Empire on Fox. Um, I, I generally like him, but I find that his films tend to have this, uh, not exactly nostalgia, but definitely a quality of looking back on the events that he's writing about. Uh, instead of just having a completely subjective movie about what happened, it's all of this kind of like hand wringing. Can you believe we actually went through all this stuff? Which kind of throws me off. Like towards the end, I think it might even be that same scene when the Supreme Court ruling came down. Kevin Spacey is like, he's sitting in his chair and I think he stands up and he's just got his hands out like the, I mean, can you guys believe this kind of a gesture? I'm like, maybe that happened but it just felt very much like that was the screenwriter saying hey guys remember this wasn't this crazy i'm like yeah i'm following what's going on you don't have to you know give me the 2008 hysterics are you, are you talking about the scene where kevin spacey's in the bar and he's no. like i want to know who won this election who fucking won it well that that's another instance but no i'm talking about yeah. a different scene but no and there's there's a few of these kinds of winking moments throughout that really shows i i would ascribe these more to the jay roach sensibility than the danny strong but there's a scene where uh kevin spacey is talking to dennis leary and dennis leary is like laying out how it's very early on how they can go after the numbers and and to recount and he's swearing up a storm and then kevin spacey says did anyone ever tell you that you say fuck a lot i'm like because it's dennis leary want 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 yeah got it (laughs) Yeah. Jesus, I mean that was kind of his character, though. They didn't need to say, "Does anyone ever tell you to say fuck a lot?" Yeah, they didn't need that, right? Um, and, and that's the thing is, like, I, I again, if I'm watching this and I know nothing about this guy, I might think, "Oh, well, he had a really foul mouth," or it could be that it's just they got Dennis Leary to play this part, so they let him leery it up a bit, and so you walk away with the impression that whoever he was playing must have been a real, you know, <laughs> irascible jerk. Yeah, that. And- I think the guy was just frustrated at the moment, you know, because it was a frustrating situation. I didn't think the guy needed, like, if someone was frustrated, I wouldn't tell him, like, oh, you say fuck a lot. I just, I just, <laughs> right. I just let him blow off some steam. Yeah. Uh, if I was in Kevin Spacey's position, uh, great. I don't want to ever say the words Kevin Spacey's position. Um, <laughs> Touche. Yeah. <laughs> oh, God. But, Oh, and, and this is pre this is pre House of Cards, too. I just thought about that. That's true. Yeah. Uh, by, yeah. by a few years. Um, there's there's one other line. Uh, the great Bob Ballot band played Ben Ginsburg, who was the uh, he's like the Bush campaign coordinator in Florida. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if this is a line taken from history or if this is just Danny Strong being cheeky because he delivers it straight and no one else in the room reacts to it. But I was like, I smirked. He said. 
because uh, this is before the recount business and he thought this was just going to be a straight election. He said, by tomorrow morning, the stains of Bill yes. Clinton will be washed away. <laughs> yeah, like, Jesus Christ, that came straight from a script. Yes. The stains of <laughs> Bill Clinton will be washed away. Insanity will be and peacefulness will be restored to the White House. And was like, yay! Like, oh, Jesus Christ. Yeah. It, well, it, Although the, the one the one line where you know they're saying, did this ever happen before? Not in the history of the Supreme Court. I would think that's fake, but I've had so many moments like that this year where I'm like, has that happened before? And they're like, never. Like that has happened countless times. I understand it, and partially it may come down to uh, well, if the movie weren't already filled with these sort of meta contextual examples of dialogue, I might let it pass. But it's also delivered in such a way that it again, it's like that. Can you believe this happened? Yeah, yeah this is 2008 speaking. We sure can't. We never got over it. You know, kind yeah. of a thing. Like they um, should have turned directly towards the camera and been like, this is bad. Don't let this happen again. It was, yeah, it was breaking the fourth wall by not breaking the fourth wall. <laughs> it's, it's a bit like that moment in JFK where Kevin Costner gives his 30-minute speech, then he turns directly towards the camera, and then he says, it's up to you. And you go, oh, God. <laughs> I thought I, I would like to think he was talking to Oliver Stone, like, it's up to you whether or not you keep this whole 30-minute <laughs> yeah, thing. <laughs> yeah, it's up to you whether you use this take. <laughs> um, one thing I, I did... Uh, this is how long ago this movie came out and how long even 2008 was, mm -hmm. but I was, they have tons of clips of like actual news reportage and coverage of the event. And I saw Tim Russert on screen doing a meet the press thing. I was like, I, I really missed Tim Russert. Yeah, I do too. <laughs> they, they replaced him with that guy. I keep calling him sandpaper face, you know, because his face looks like you fucking smashed it in with an iron rub sandpaper on it. Yeah. Uh, what's his name? I don't know. Like he was a Bush guy, and uh, uh, over after him. No, well, at first it was David Gregory. That's him. Yeah, sandpaper but, face. Yeah, but then yeah, <laughs> and then now it's um, I can't remember the name of the guy with the bad haircut and the goatee. But Joe, um, Chuck Todd. Chuck Todd. Yes, I was. He I kept. Sucks. I I kept thinking I was gonna call him Joe too. <laughs> he kind of looks like a. He Joe looks. Todd, he looks like yeah. I don't know. Chuck Todd looks like he works in a record store. <laughs> I, now now i kind of want to see that show um but uh no but yeah the, you're right I, like there's there is a certain it watching and i don't know if this is just because of the the way that i've viewed politics in the last you know 10 plus years but uh you know i used to watch meet the press with tim russert on it and i felt like yeah if there's an angle being presented here I can't see it. He just seems like such a down the middle, like trying to get the facts guy yeah. who lets his guests speak. Uh, there's something that has really been lost there, at least on that, in that program. Yeah. I, that's why I read my news from BBC. I can't, I go on Washington Post. I go on New York Times. Like, okay, here's the facts. Now here's 80 pages of what I think this is also uh, not again. <laughs> just give me the fucking story. I'll remember not to swear on the Mandalorian podcast. Don't worry. <laughs> Coming up this Sunday night at uh, eight thirty PM Central. Um, no, Where's actually, fucking Ahsoka. All right, sorry. <laughs> Get it out now. Yeah. Uh, no, it's and that's the um, that I think. First of all, you should just say uh, you should start your own website or newspaper called uh, "Just Give Me the Fucking 
truth or whatever you just said (laughs) (laughs) and it'd be perfect just give Um, me the fucking story yes every story is there's like five thousand stories and they're all three sentences long because it's just the the facts distilled through the sieve of of spin to get to the real fucking story yeah that's all it is it's like and i was like the trump tax art uh article was great i like that one then I subscribe to New York Times, and then I'm like, oh, wait, now I want to unsubscribe because the rest of these articles are just doom and gloom and <laughs> someone's opinion, and I can't take all that doom scrolling every day. I like that. Is that Did you come up with that, doom scrolling? No, I read that from oh, a New okay. York Times article. <laughs> <laughs> it was, was, that, was that an advertisement for the paper? Number one in doom scrolling. Yeah, that in Washington Post. I remember when North Korea was going on. Every time I'd click on Washington Post and in big red letters, it'd be like, North Korea <laughs> said they're going to send a Christmas gift. Like, ah! <laughs> that's kind of my that's kind of my mindset every day when going through the news. Just ah! Ah! <laughs> <laughs> that should be the Washington Post new um, slogan. It's just, ah, (laughs) democracy dies here in a black background with white fonts. Now, one thing I wanted to talk about real quick, uh, you brought him up earlier, um, Tom Wilkinson as Jim Baker. Uh, Yeah. I thought he was great in the part. And I did. This is the one that's one of the, the bit of balance that was kind of surprising towards the end of the film. Uh, after the Republicans have, I guess, won, uh, or at least their candidate was selected, not not elected, as the old phrase went. I know what scene you're going to talk about. It's the one with Balaban and Wilkinson uh, in the office uh, yeah. talking about what Baker's going to do next, I think. And he starts sharing the story about how he was a Democrat until he was 40. Yeah. And the story of how he became a Republican uh, was one of the most touching things and it really humanized not only him but the person who turned him onto that journey which is also ironic because that guy did a lot of monstrous inhuman things during his tenure so (laughs) junior and senior which president hasn't (laughs) right i mean and that's but that's the that's the thing is it really i think honed in on the fact that despite everything that we see and hear and read and think we know about politics the people who comprise these political situations are people and they've all had their, you know, their good points and bad points and awesome points and devilish points. Uh, but someone, everyone's got some kind of a story that, that can make them relate to people. It reminded me of that scene in Dave where uh, Kevin Klein is talking to Ben Kingsley, his VP, who's been kind of lampooned in the press as being this like Dan Quayle kind of an idiot, but he, they have a heart to heart and he's like, how did you get into politics? And Ben Kingsley's story about, you know, just like running for a local office because he found out some local issue he cared about. And then he rose up through the ranks and he really wanted to help people. I'm like, that's a beautiful story. And it's yeah. a kind of a parallel to Jim Baker <laughs> of all yeah. things. I did not expect to come out of this movie thinking, wow, Jim Baker, who knew? <laughs> yeah. I don't even remember anything about James Baker. I mean, I was, how young was I like 14 in 2004 or something? Like that. So, you know, but, yeah. Yeah. I, uh... <laughs> <laughs> I don't want to live those years again. That, that, those are, uh, but yeah, James Baker has this whole story about how his wife passed away and 
uh, George H.W. Bush asked him to work on his campaign just because he wanted him to get his mind off of things. But he doesn't reveal it's George H.W. Bush. But uh, but yeah, Bob Balaban. Did I say it right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. I thought I almost said Taliban. Um, <laughs> oh my God! I, that poor guy. I wonder how many times that mix-up happened uh, oh, in, in like 2004. <laughs> oh, poor Bob Taliban. Uh, but no, they don't reveal that it's George H. W. Bush. He just says, you know, this man came up to me and. He told me, well, come work on my campaign. Well, you know, I'm a Democrat, right? That's okay. Just to get your mind off of something. Well, he did, Bob they, Balaban goes, that sounds like a wonderful guy. Then he points to the picture of George Bush. He sure is. And he's like, yeah, oh, yeah he's, a, he's not a bad guy. He's just Because he kind of comes off like this stickler. You know, he always has his arms crossed and he's looking down. like, Ugh. And, you know, he's saying, call Roger Ailes or Roger Stone, whatever the fuck, Roger. And then, uh, but in the end, yeah, he was just a human being. Uh, I mean, think of Kellyanne Conway. She's married to a Democrat, you know, mm-hmm. which I don't know how anyone could find her attractive, but that's another story. She looks like the <laughs> Crypt Keeper. Uh, um, I'm going to yeah. take cheap shots. I'm emotional. Well, that's, you know, <laughs> that's fine. Um, and also married to a Democrat and also has a daughter who is uh, famously not aligned with her politics. Um, yep. So, yeah, that's uh, it's, it's a fascinating times we live in for sure um but yeah i i really did like that that last uh closing scene um yeah. and one one thing about james baker as well the end of this film which normally i think it's kind of cheesy when they do this but in this particular case it was so uncanny they showed all these news clips of the actual people that we've been seeing portrayed in the film like you'll see yeah. the real ron clay and all this when they showed the real jim baker i was like oh they forgot to swap out the footage of tom wilkinson I'm like fuck no that's actually jim baker and he huh. looks so much like tom wilkinson it's it's weird yeah uh, that's one of the that was that was definitely better than Tom Wilkinson's portrayal of Carmine Falcone, you know, <laughs> talking about doing American accents. Where he's like, "Your mommy and your daddy got shot by a pink gabagool," <laughs> you know. I actually liked his performance because I could see how hard he was working. He almost yeah. created he almost created a new like Italian English mob accent. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> like a dog. <laughs> like what? Yeah, yeah, like a bug. Yeah, think about your old bookie. Bang. Yeah, yeah. But the, the, he was great. It, yeah, was John Hurt supposed to be partially English, or was that just him struggling because he's like super fucking English? You uh, know, that's something I actually forgot to look up afterwards because I was like, he was yeah, so he's, not, he's not trying. He yeah. was like super, super waspy. Like, well, Jim, here's what I think. I'm going to play some cricket and make up my mind. Like, oh, boy. Yeah, maybe if in real life he had like one of those mid-Atlantic accents, which is, you know, American, but you just sound vaguely British, like Gore Vidal. But yeah. I- I'm watching it. I'm like, he's not He's not trying. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, no, he should have given that elephant man effort. Oh, God, I was just thinking if he walked on the set as the elephant man. <laughs> <laughs> as, as, as Ward Christopher, Ward, what should we do? <laughs> I am not an animal. I am Ward Christopher. <laughs> I am not an animal just because I'm in politics. <laughs> but you know, that's the other thing is it bothered me. But then again, I'm like, well, it's, he's giving a, he's giving a solid performance. So who cares? 
Yeah. He, um, eh. and yeah, I, yeah, Kevin Spacey was good as the hero in that movie. If you view it objectively, he did a good job at playing the moral center. He didn't play it up too much. You know, he kind of still had that condescending candor to him, but that's mm-hmm. okay. I mean, he's a guy in politics who's highly educated. They're going to sound that way sometimes. I'm not sure if the real Ron Klain looked or sounded like Kevin Spacey. Hopefully he didn't have little kids in his jacuzzi, but that's another story. <laughs> yes, there's, there's been yeah. no allegations made to that effect. Yes. I'm just, <laughs> just trying to cover us here. Um, just, to, just to get the record straight. Um <laughs> But I will say one thing that doesn't make for very dynamic filmmaking is when like 50% of your film is people staring at television screens. And that's what a lot of this movie is. People look at the TV and then sighing in disappointment while the other side is going, yes. And that's like (laughs) 90, like the whole movie could have just been comprised of news clips and you would have gotten the same thing. Yeah, it it is weird that that kind of it's almost like watching a sporting event or like you see those commercials where kind of like mm-hmm. what you describe, like the, the rival team gets a touchdown, you cut to another, you know, the fans going like, oh, or yay. Um, it did feel very much like that. Maybe that was intentional because this turned into such a, a, a sporting event. Come uh, see election night at Buffalo Wild Wings. <laughs> Dude, I, well, I was going to say if if it weren't for covid i i would have no doubt that they <laughs> they do something like that yeah yeah uh, they'll still especially... have election night at b-dubs they just won't let you know about it yeah <laughs> now i want buffalo wild wings i kind of do too i was like i don't want to regress back to my old weight but mm. well you know you, you dip your toe in it a little bit and when i say dip your toe in, i mean that, that lovely ranch spicy sauce. sauce yeah okay. i don't want to oh, who am i quentin tarantino I... <laughs> Okay, fingers. Maybe toe was. Uh, yeah. yeah. Although I'll say this um, with no regrets: if uh, Uma Thurman dipped her toe in spicy sauce from Buffalo Wild Wings, I would uh, I would eat it off of her toe. Okay, gross. We're moving yeah. on. Yeah. Well, uh, maybe her toe from Kill Bill Volume Two, because that seemed to be what got Tarantino's attention in Kill- mind too. That's Volume One where she wiggled it. Oh, in the truck. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I'm, I more so remember volume two than I remember volume one. So maybe that's, uh, that's just my, Did you ever see the uh, honest trailers for uh, quit every Quentin Tarantino movie? No, there's a five minute song about like feet in there or something like that. <laughs> it's just feet, 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 feet. <sighs> oh, I'm, I'm going to watch that right after we get off this. Thing. Yeah. <laughs> Although I think it's big. All right. All right. All right. Recounts. Okay. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry, I got us sidetracked by wings and feet. Yeah. Gross. <laughs> like, I'm sure there's like some weird porn hub fetish video. Of, what do you mean like... weird? <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> yeah. Hey, don't shame. Don't shame. Don't fetish shame. We don't do that here. That's right. Yeah. <laughs> Unless you're Kevin Spacey. Right. Oh, yeah. That's, uh, <laughs> that's, that's an army of one right there. Why don't you <laughs> dip your toe in that jacuzzi there? <laughs> I can't do Kevin Space. Yeah, I, I could with a little bit of practice. Um, um, well, you're also too old, I think. Um, sorry. Yeah, just, just slap a wig on me. It's a, it's a. You know what? That's one thing. It wasn't like an SNL sort of film. This movie. Mm. You know, it didn't feel like oh, everybody's putting on makeup and wigs. You know, or maybe because they weren't as famous or popular. You know, they could have done that with Al Gore and George Bush, which they almost did when they reenacted that phone conversation where Al Gore rescinds 
his concession. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And you know, they, they have that really cheesy ADR where you just see the back of their heads and you could just tell that they're recording it in a booth. Cause it's like the audio is so ridiculously clean that you could just tell that they, they were, they had, they put on the red light and said, okay, say it this way. You don't have to be snippy about it. I'm like, that's good. Yeah. My, my issue with that is that, uh, and again, I think this speaks to the, the partisanship of the filmmakers, which, you know, it's their right yeah. to make the movie, but you know, George Bush does not sound like that. No. Uh, what they were doing is, a not quite as exaggerated version of George Bush as what Will Ferrell might do, but yeah. they don't, they, they went out of their way to kind of recreate what I guess Al Gore genuinely sounded like more conversational in tone, but still getting those inflections it's with true. George, Bush, with George Bush who's like, I think, I think we're going to win this thing. Yeah, like, yeah. Yeah. No, no. <laughs> yeah. He did sound a lot more cartoony where Al Gore sounded more like a person. Yeah. You sound a little more like Al Gore, you know, a little like this. Well, George Bush is like, <laughs> you're trying to put food on your family, <laughs> you know. I still have my book of Bushisms, which I run across every once in a while. I'm like, I miss eh, those days. Yeah. <laughs> I can't believe I'm saying it's like at least that was back when our politician just wasn't outwardly an asshole, you know, and just kind of had whoopsie moments. Dick Dick Cheney. Yeah, oh, Dick Cheney. Yeah, yeah, you had him who told people to go fuck themselves but at least he didn't call mexicans rapists so that's good yeah. you got to take your victories where you can get them i guess yeah. <laughs> God. now now here here try this I one wanna, on size. i want to be put in cryogenic sleep for another four years nice. well just just remember this uh back in in the 2000s when we were under the bush thumb uh people thought that he was the worst president in history Yep. And history said, hold my beer. So just yeah. think about, just imagine this. It's entirely possible that 15, 20 years from now, we could get somebody in office who makes us nostalgia, nostalgic for Donald Trump. That I think that I'm sorry. Be... I shouldn't be triggering your anxiety like that. <laughs> no, I, I don't know if we'll be alive in 20 years, but that's another, <laughs> we will be. Huh? <laughs> kind of we'll, we'll all be in the thunderdome but uh, we'll be alive yeah well we'll all be living in we'll all be living in atlantis essentially a if, casino no no uh <laughs> underwater uh and, and like it's a, if you've ever played bioshock we'll be living in that <laughs> i've never played but I, I think i know what you're talking it's about. like it's basically like an underground underwater city yeah so Waterworld will become a documentary or we'll just be living in Mad Max Fury Road. <laughs> All right, Which, maybe that's a little extreme, but then we'll go. Yeah, at least with Donald Trump, we didn't live underwater. Well, <laughs> we'll have to see about the uh, the results of the next couple weeks and, and few years, I guess. No, <laughs> you got uh, it. Look, it's it's a. Uh, was it always looking the bright side of life? Uh, they were singing this happy tune at the end uh, of Life of Brian when they're all being crucified. You, you gotta, you gotta, you gotta yeah. laugh. <laughs> uh, I remember looking on the bright side of life in 2016. It'll be good. Things are fine. Oh no! <laughs> and I know, I know the Republicans are listening to this. Be like, yeah, cry your liberal tears. Ha ha ha. 
Are there going to be Republicans listening to this? No. There you go. <laughs> well, actually, I've had some people unsubscribe from me. Oh, well, that's Fuck their em. loss. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I got an opinion. I'm sorry. I'm not going to be one of those guys who's like, oh, I'm in the middle and both sides are terrible. Like, no, nah, man, I got a fucking opinion and I'm speaking it. Hello? Did you drop out or did I? Maybe both of us did. Oh, there you are. Okay. Can you hear me now? <laughs> yeah. Sorry about it. Yeah, I might want to write down that time time code. Sorry, I, I lost you for a second. No, that's all right. Uh, but no, it's like I have an opinion and I'm not going to hide it. You know, a yeah. lot of people will hide under the guise of, well, both sides are terrible. And I'm not talking about you. I'm talking about people who like are genuinely like, no, I hate both sides. And they try to bring rack up YouTube likes by basically stating that they hate everyone everywhere and everybody's terrible. And I don't agree with that at all. I think one side is particularly <laughs> not doing terrible things while the other side is. Yeah. And you know, that's, again, everybody's entitled to their opinion. And I think that they should be free and willing to express their opinions. I mean, that's the thing is I, I don't doubt that there are people out there who are in that kind of angry middle who just say, screw everyone, but that's not a helpful. It's yeah. barely even an opinion. It's just like, <laughs> it's, it's like just, an excuse not to pay attention, you know? Exactly. It's an excuse to hate on everything. Uh, this movie definitely sways to the left, but it doesn't villainize the right which is something I enjoy about it. How movies about Trump will be portrayed. <laughs> uh, right. Well, and that's that's one of the things that I kind of alluded to this earlier um, about the Democrats like constantly caving in. I, I think it's very ironic at the end. I forgot that, about that yeah. the, uh, the end song is Tom Petty's Don't I Won't Back Down. Yeah. Which it's it's ironic because at one point this is supposed to be this movie came out in i think may or june of 2008 so it's one of yeah. those election year movies game change came out in march of 2012 so yeah. it's very much a politically slanted movie designed to rile up a certain base and again that's fine you can do whatever you want but when it comes to what people are supposed to get out of this the filmmakers may have started out intending to tell a story about how the election was uh, stolen or you know it was mishandled in some ways but i think the real lesson to take out of this is if you want to if you really believe in democracy you need to stand up for yourself and not back down uh and play by the rules because the republicans they did some shady things like calling in those protesters and everything but when it came down to it is in a lot of cases they were really ready to go after every loophole, every rule, everything that was legal to get their case all through the court systems and the different processes. Where a lot of the times the Dems were like, I don't want to do that. It's going to make us look bad. It's going to make us look petty. Uh, and it's like, well, do you want to look petty or do you want to be remembered as the, the uh, failed almost administration that allowed George Bush to become president and, you know, tank the country after eight years. And this is what the Democrats do again and again and again. The reason why Republicans always win is because they always agree with each other and they work together towards a goal of a new Holocaust. No, sorry, <laughs> but towards, <laughs> but towards the goal of winning 
The Democrats are always like, I don't want to look bad. Just give me me. Who gives a fuck? Grow some fucking balls. And they don't. They're just fucking pussies. That's why they wear those hats. I mean, that's where <laughs> they get those reputations from. Like, honestly, I, I mean, look at what the Democratic Party is doing with 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 Joe Biden. It's like you have Bernie Sanders and AOC who brings in this enormous enthusiasm. And who the fuck do they give more camera time? Hillary Clinton, because that's exactly who we want to see on screen is Hillary fucking Clinton, you know, especially after 2016, just to be reminded of that, you know, and there she is with her dying appearance, like, don't make the same mistake again. <laughs> like, oh, shut up, Hillary. <laughs> and, uh, uh, outside, of, I, I, I'm sorry, but the Democratic Party doesn't look good when they're all rallying together instead of the one guy that everyone almost elected. Yeah. They do this again and again and again, and that's why I'm worried they're going to lose because they just constantly pussyfoot around with what they want to say, with what they want to do when the other side isn't doing that. Thank God for groups like the Lincoln Project who are former Republicans who know how to make real ads against Donald Trump that are a million times more effective than Joe Biden. And you want to talk about another thing that Democrats don't know how to do. Look at Joe Biden's ads on YouTube compared to Donald Trump's. Donald Trump has these, these trolley thumbnails, but they attract a lot of people. And on both pages, they're both pro-Trump comments by the busloads. And not only that... But the but, but Joe Biden's page originally didn't include comments, and now they do because everyone on the right was making fun of Joe Biden for not including comments on his page. The moment he included comments on those page, all the right wing trolls just fucking bulldozed through his ads and created a huge distraction. And that's what they do every time. Don't give in. And they always give in, just like how they gave in on recount. Well, I mean, as far as the comments thing, I, I think it was a bad move to have a YouTube page or whatever advertisements without comments, because it does yeah. look like you can't stand up to the scrutiny. I mean, the reality is, turn the comments on. How many people are actually going to sit there and scroll through the comments? I mean, honestly, how many people are going to click on an, a political ad on YouTube? They hate these things when they pop up on their television, you know, while they're yeah. watching Dancing with the Stars. Um, but yeah, I, I think it's uh, that was certainly my biggest disappointment in 2016 was I looked at the Clinton campaign. I was like, this is a disaster. Uh, they could have seen this coming. They should have seen this coming. Fortunately, there is, you know, four years for them to regroup and put in a plan of action and really get some popular, uh, I guess, momentum against this horrible monster that we've just elected. And uh, I don't see that they've done it. I mean, we're yep. here and we've got Joe Biden. <laughs> You've yep. got this field of 16 or more candidates. Like, I'm not going to say they're the best and the brightest in the country, but it was 16 people a lot of them fresh blood a lot of them had some really cool ideas and we went with the old you know crony establishment guy and yep. we've already got an old crony establishment guy in the white house so i don't think you're giving voters much of a real choice yeah well you could thank south carolina for that if it weren't uh, if it weren't for them bernie sanders would have won but they they had to screw that up 
But it's well, always, I, and I knew when Joe Biden was running, I just kept thinking, oh God, he's going to win. And everyone was like, why? I'm like, because he's the most boring candidate imaginable. And it's always, the Democrats always win with the most boring candidates. Remember John Kerry? He was exciting. Jesus Christ. Every time he spoke, I wanted to take a nap. Well, I'm glad you brought up Kerry because that's, I've forgotten, but that's something I recalled watching Recount was, uh, you know, with the Swift Boat Veterans for Peace uh, and, and there were other numerous attacks against him. He famously came out and said, I'm not going to respond to those attacks. You know, they're kind of silly. It just made him look like he couldn't respond instead yeah. of if you had like a real attack dog mentality, be like, yeah, you know, fuck those guys. And, you know, this is all it's all a smear. And here's the actual evidence. And here's what I was really doing, that kind of a thing. Um, but, you know, he just kind of uh, rolled over. Um, yep. That was that was another big disappointment uh, for me. Only a few years after uh, <laughs> the recount. Yeah. That's like, I think in order to beat Donald Trump, you need to run on more than I'm not Donald Trump. Yeah. And I've failed to see that. I, you know, it's like maybe that'll win over enough people, but I don't see that it will. Like, I don't care what the polls say, you know, at the end of the day, we'll see who really wins this election or steals it. And we'll see if there really is a recount, uh, which I'd honestly prefer a recount rather than than them throwing out the votes yeah. uh, and i would rather see a recount than seeing a donald trump presidency immediately that night and and, and you know what i would like to see if there is a biden presidency uh to really have his base you, you talked about uh, the base kind of pushing or molding that administration to what they really want. Mm -hmm. I would hope that one of the things they want in addition to social justice causes is something mm -hmm. that's fundamental to the fabric of the country, which is the vote. Uh, we talked about like mm -hmm. why in the last 14 or 20 years hasn't something been done about this. I'd love to see that be something that they work on for four or eight years. Hell, I'd like to see the Trump administration work on it for four or eight years. Well, but, they're not going to. Well, right, but it may be for the same reason that the party in power, you know, the Obama administration didn't do anything for eight years because they're yep. like oh well i guess all the those voter shenanigans that was just uh well i guess that happened to that guy it didn't happen to us we got in so why yeah. go looking for problems when there clearly aren't anymore <laughs> yeah know? yeah absolutely i absolutely agree i think you know obama's like well they voted for me in the uh <laughs> twice electoral college yep and uh, twice so uh let's not worry about it um because that happened because they didn't do anything. I mean, we should go by a popular vote. I mean, we had the electoral college because, well, we still have it because most states aren't represented, but it's like, yeah, but what about the people, the people who populate most of this country? It's not about the states. It's about the people because guess what? Illinois, our votes don't matter for shit. Uh, yeah. It matters for people who are going to be elected to the house and the Senate, but for the presidency, it doesn't matter. Mm. Yeah. I, it's the I United Florida of America. <laughs> There's the title of your episode right there. Yes. Um, <laughs> I, I was going to originally call it Recount, a movie uh, we don't want to relive. But <laughs> I think the United Florida of America. Is, and everyone's been telling me, well, Trump doesn't need to win Florida in order to win the election. Like, no, he doesn't this time. But. It hasn't been since 1992 that we've had a presidential candidate be elected president without also winning Florida. Yes. And, you know, that sounds like a long shot. But all you have to do is say the magic word 
2020 <laughs> that which i think next year is going to be replaced in the it's going to in the dictionary it's going to replace the word unprecedented <laughs> because yeah. everything that happens now is just well it's 2020 <laughs> what are you going to do yeah that's why i that's why my pessimism is so severe because i can't can we name one positive thing that has happened in 2020 in the news uh probably but you know that's that's a whole other conversation not, not some guy who's like he ran a cupcake shop in order to boost voter enthusiasm or to help some dying lady of covid raise money not like that those little stories like something big that happened that was good i can't name one it's just this this year has been the most disastrous year i've ever seen in the history of the u.s outside of the civil war well, it has been, but one thing that I think positive you can say, as much as 200,000 people dead is a tragedy, uh, you can look at the original projections, which were in the millions, and you can say that at least, you know, on some level, Americans came together to combat this pandemic. And even though it's still a very partisan issue, and even though we're still in the thick of it, it is not nearly as bad as it could have been. Is that true? Because the we're when yeah, it comes well, to the U.S. versus the rest of the world. No, not, that's not what yeah. I'm talking about. I'm talking about the projections for America was like five to six million dead. And as much again, as much as 200,000 people plus dying is a tragedy. You can't say that 200,000 versus five to six million is not a good thing. Or if we still had a global pandemic office i know he didn't fire everyone from there he rearranged their positions right, but, you're, but that wasn't the question the question was can you name some good news that we got in 2020 i'm like yeah the, most of us are still here i uh, is that good news uh well we had a global <laughs> pandemic but at least um, six million people are dead it's only two hundred thousand. Oh, that's a happy story no that that is yeah. a happy story mike because that's <laughs> that is a that is a fraction of a fraction of what they were predicting uh yeah but it, it, it the the fact that the thing even got here what but again you're, you're you keep moving the goalposts i'm saying if you have to have a pandemic you know okay i'm not going to say if you have to if you have a pandemic and the projection is by the end of this year we could lose five to six million people if we don't figure something out then at the end of that year when you're looking at two to I know we're not out of this yet. So let's say two to 300,000 people. Uh, I'm going to call that not a win because you can't really think of those terms in terms of global or even national <laughs> catastrophic death. But it is something that's better than the alternative. Like if, if you could flash forward to the alternate timeline where we lost 6 million people, and someone said, uh, what if there was an alternate reality you could visit right now? where most of the people that you know or in your circle or let's say your 50 friends who died of COVID-19 would not have died of COVID-19, which reality would you like? I don't know if it, I think either way we were going to shut down with no matter who was president and we would have prevented more of those deaths. Also with a different president this probably would have never have even entered the U.S., let alone the world, since we're well, that's, charged no, that. No, that's, that's not true, because that thing, this was here before people knew about it, and that's one of the reasons we had the spikes in numbers. I mean, the reason that we knew to shut down travel from other countries is because we knew that there were cases in the country before we knew about what this virus even was. And why did it, why did President Trump ignore it during November? 
I don't know that he ignored it during November. I don't... It's been well documented, and his chief of staff has even said they have no plan for the virus. Is he? When did he say this? About two days ago. That he that they had no plan, or they have no plan? have no plan. Oh, I yeah, that's a, I understand that, and that's I understand what that sounds like and i also understand what it is and it's not exactly as bad as that sounds oh to um, quote president trump it is what it is yeah um <laughs> but yeah we've we've gotten way far off topic of, yes of we have and, yeah well I gotta go. how can we how can we not these days but yeah how much have we actually talked about recount a lot we talked <laughs> well because no, honestly we this all has to do with the electoral process and who we elect and how the parties act and it all has to do with that the movie itself if i were to give it a rating i'd still give it three out of four guinnesses uh <laughs> it's entertaining it gives you the information you need it's partisan but not too bipartisan uh Overall, each character seems to have a unique trait to them. Dennis Leary is Dennis Learying it up. Uh, Kevin Spacey is good at playing the man who's in charge of leading the campaign towards what is essentially, as it's depicted in this film, a death march, <laughs> uh, which could be an allegory for uh, next week. And <laughs> uh, God, I hope I'm wrong. Man, I hope my therapist is right which i'm calling him on election day uh, and uh <laughs> you might want to start that call early because i'm sure that there'll be <laughs> the phones ringing off the hook oh he said he, he told me to feel free to call i'm like okay you've been <laughs> warned uh, <laughs> uh i think yeah laura dern she, i i thought Catherine harris as a character maybe it's not an accurate accurate portrayal but she's an entertaining character like I see her on screen, I'm like, wow, this woman's completely delusional. And yeah, and that's better. that that's sort of my problem is it's it's almost like the Daily Show problem from back in the day and mm. probably even still now. It's like, oh, I don't watch the news, I just watch the Daily Show. Mm. You turn to a comedy news program that has a political slant in order to get your information. So you can walk away with a completely distorted view of reality that informs the way that you actually engage politics in the real world. Yeah, it didn't it didn't feel like a parody, though, or it didn't feel too slanted because no, yeah, I, there I, was that there was that wonderful moment with James Baker where we find out all oh, these people are human and they actually do care and they don't you know, they're not outwardly being uh, uh, nefarious in their actions. Well, yes, and I, I agree. I'm talking specifically about uh, what Laura Dern did or was directed oh, yeah. to do with with Catherine Harris, uh, and yeah. she kind of sticks out like a sore thumb because she's the most one dimensional person in this movie. Yeah. She's got these kind of bug eyes, like, oh, I just walked off the beauty pageant, you know, runway, and now I'm Secretary of State of Florida, and then <laughs> she's she has no opinions. She's constantly told by this group of you know old men advisors like what to think and what to say and what to do. Yeah, I, I don't believe. And maybe this is my naivete. I don't believe you get to be the secretary of state by being that kind of a person. Depends who pulls the strings for you. Uh, well, but you at least have to. Um, you have to no, you have to. You have to you, well, yeah. <laughs> taking it back to Ed Wood. Um, you have to have some Ed kind Boys. of presence or sense. I think uh, it's easy to say that about people largely based on portrayals of people that we've seen in politics in the media. 
I see. So, so you think the way, oh yeah, well, yeah, yeah, that's true because I don't think she was given a human portrayal. No, you know, she was, she was very cartoony. Having mm-hmm. said that, she was entertaining to watch. <laughs> she was, and it, it's yeah. great, but I had to disconnect. I, I was like, oh, this is a great Laura Dern performance, but I think it's also kind of trashy and dangerous. <laughs> yeah. Well, what, what do you think of uh, Sarah Palin and uh, Recount or, or, or uh, Julianne Julia Dreyfus? Right? Yeah, Julianne Moore. I almost said Julianne Dreyfus, uh, but Julianne Moore's uh, performance. Like, I thought that, did they make her well-rounded or did they just kind of make her a one-dimensional dope? I don't remember if I, I don't even know if I watched the whole thing. Um, mm. You know, yeah, yeah. Uh, I have vague, rec- it's kind of like with recount. I'm pretty sure I watched it at some point, but I couldn't tell you anything about it. I'd have to watch it again. Yeah. I think, I think from what I remember, no, they kind of added some dimension to her, but they did kind of make her like a Catherine Harris where she was vastly unqualified and she was placed in the middle of this situation that was far beyond what she was capable of handling but if was Catherine harris really like that we know that she was very much a over-the-top figure but was she stupid like they made her appear in the movie i'm not sure i know in in with this film aside from Catherine harris themselves basically the the writer of this uh danny strong he i didn't just look up his name um (laughs) he interviewed basically everyone in this film and every actor met with their character except for Catherine harris she didn't meet with laura dern and you know she didn't want to be involved in this project and she didn't like the way she was portrayed which is reasonable. Exactly. I, I, well, I don't want to ascribe motive to anybody, but it's perfectly fine to assume given the portrayal, it's kind of like, well, you don't want to meet with me. Here's how I'm going to write you. And here's how you're going to be portrayed. Yeah. <laughs> you know, instead of taking a lead yeah. from like the Ron Klain or the Jim Baker and like, we're going to write you, even though you didn't meet with us, you yeah. know, there's still hours of footage Laura Dern could have watched. And who knows, maybe she did and it still came out through this particular filter, but there's yeah. still a way to act a character as a human being and they didn't pull that off in this this aspect and it really sticks out oh you just go to part two of the comey rule and just watch brendan gleason as trump you will if you want a good laugh <laughs> and i know what they were aiming for like they basically try to make him look like he was dracula but it's just very cheesy but Ugh. all right having said that folks God help us all. <laughs> We're going to need it next week. Um, but please, for the love of Christ, vote. Even if they throw out your vote, your thrown out vote could supersede the non-thrown out vote, <laughs> which could help give us a new president. Wouldn't that be nice to wake up and not worry about what the president's going to tweet the next morning? Wouldn't that be nice? Think of that. And, and for the love of God, vote. Unless you're voting for Trump, then, then uh, you know I hope your car breaks down on the way to the to the. <laughs> um, Isn't it? Does that qualify as election interference, Mike? Yeah. Yeah. No, it doesn't. I mean, <laughs> I didn't cause the car to break down. I might have slashed the tires, but I didn't cause it to break down. You are you are a member of the media, and you are telling people actively not to vote for something. <laughs> oh well, like we all we all don't do that. I'll be Trump, and I'll say I'm just saying what you all think. There you go. Yeah. <laughs> With the president uh, himself trying to cause voter intimidation. 
but yeah. that's yeah. I, I mean, uh, what what happened in two thousand is so quaint compared to today. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and again, hopefully, this is not one of the things we look back on and say, "Oh, remember the t- <laughs> the the twenty twenty election? How quaint! <laughs> Those are the good times." Ah. Uh, I don't know if that's good. I think 2020 will be decided pretty quickly. Uh, and unfortunately, it's not going to go the way I'm hoping. I'm hoping that all of my doom prediction is is uh, going to be unfounded. Because if it is, I will probably stop catastrophizing the way I do. Uh, well, folks, even, right well, now... Yeah, I'm sorry. Go ahead. I was going to say one, one last thing. I think uh, an important message, yes, get out and vote. But even if things don't go your way, whoever you're voting for, uh, listen to the words of Tom Petty and <laughs> and don't back down. I think if you if things don't go the way that you want them to be, I know it's going to be tough uh, to not be demoralized and to think that things are hopeless. But one of the reasons things become hopeless is because people give up hope and they stop trying. So mm-hmm. it's important to mobilize run for office or find someone that is on the same side as you are, who cares about the same issues you are and care, cares about them as, as in the way that you do and vote for them, campaign for them, mm-hmm. you know, stop worrying and just looking at Twitter and tweeting out, you know, snarky things about the opposite side, uh, go out there and do something. That's right. Be more like me. Yes. You're voters. making phone calls. Yeah, <laughs> yeah exactly. Yeah. Just to toot my own horn, be more like me. Actually, call voters and make a difference. Yeah. Uh, as I was telling Ian before, I, I think I didn't address the story, and I said I was going to. Uh, but I called a woman who was in North Carolina. She requested a mail-in ballot. And as we know, Louis DeJoy, the postmaster general who looks like Hank from Breaking Bad, uh, <laughs> he has been tossing out the machines that count through the mail by the thousands he's been slowing down the mail intentionally so that donald trump can win and that there's no question about that considering how much money he gave to his campaign before that and this lady was telling me she requested a mail-in ballot three days ago she didn't get it or three weeks ago not days weeks ago and she didn't get it so i told her do you know where your polling place is where you can pick up a ballot? Yes. She's older. She can't get around. So I say, can you get someone who can drive down there for you, pick it up and you can fill out? She's like, yeah. I go, and then could they drop it off for you directly in the mailbox? She says, yes, I'm going to go do that. Thank you for letting me know about that. I'm going to do that right away. And because of that, I saved a vote for being thrown out. And you could do the same thing. We have six days left. And this is not uh, a political advertisement. But if you want to join with me, I joined this thing called People's Action. And we deep canvas across the country. And we're actually calling voters who are undecided. And we actually empathize and listen to them rather than judge them. And through the, despite all the shit I say here, that's me expressing my opinion. With them, I don't say that. Uh, I, I don't call them morons to their face. Uh, but you empathize. You talk with them. And I've been able to win over three voters by doing that and preventing one vote from being thrown out. So you can make a difference, and you have the time to do it. I'm actually going to provide the link to their canvassing just because I can. 
And maybe <laughs> it's a good idea for everyone to go organize. So with recount, don't forget to organize. And even if it doesn't turn out the way you want it to, you know, uh, maybe take, you know, take some time off, enjoy your Christmas. And then the next year, get ready to fight again. Having said that, Ian, thank you so much for coming on. Ian, you make calls too. No. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, you know, I certainly appreciate you having me on to talk about this movie and 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 all the other kind of ancillary topics that come with it. This has been a lot of fun. Yes, my ADD kicking in. Yes, um, <laughs> but no, don't no, thank you. You're a good man. You're an empathetic man. Uh, I'm glad that we can disagree on things and still, you know, come together. Uh, that might change after November. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> Please go out and vote. Please uh, be active. The The link to People's Action Deep Canvassing is in is going to be in the link to this episode. I actually have to drive over to work and clock in during a pandemic. So, <laughs> well, hey, you have a you have a work to go to. So count your yeah. blessings. <laughs> yeah, I guess you could call it a job. Uh, <laughs> if they pay you money. <laughs> it's a job. Um, having said, and also, uh, go. Uh, I've said enough. <laughs> Thanks a lot. Thank uh, you, thank Ian. You. I don't know how to wrap this up. God help us all. And uh, I'll see you after the election. Well, no, I'll see. I'll see you guys on Ian's podcast about the Mandalorian, where we don't. Where I'm sure I'll bring up politics somehow, like an idiot. No, it's a live <laughs> podcast, so I better shut my trap. All right. All right, man. Take it easy. I'll talk to you Sunday night. Okay. See you guys. <laughs> Thanks. Bye. Who actually won this election? Who won it? I should tell you, you're probably going to lose tomorrow. It's certainly one of two possibilities. Ha, ha, ha.